0: The Drink Beer Think Beer podcast is sponsored by Beer Edge. I'm Andy Crouch, the co-founder of Beer Edge, along with my partner and your podcast host, John Hall. John and I work hard to bring you fresh and insightful content related to the ever-changing world of craft beer. We're passionate about beer and independent journalism. If you're interested in supporting Beer Edge, visit our website, beeredge.com, which is updated regularly with new content, interviews, and articles. Please also consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your episodes. You can also subscribe to the Beer Edge newsletter on our website. Is there anyone you think that we should be talking to? Please drop us a line at beeredge.com with your thoughts. And as always, thanks for your support. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall, and have you found the Facebook group for This Week in Rauch Beer? It's there, and every day we're talking about smoky beer delights. Search the site and ask to join. We'll be sure to let you in. But let's talk about hops this week, especially fresh hops. And I'm excited to have Zach Beckwith, the head brewer at Ben Brewing Company in Oregon. He's got some thoughts on the style, and we'll dive into all of it shortly. But first, a reminder that this show is produced by Beer Edge. Check out BeerEdge.com for articles, to sign up for the newsletter, and for other podcasts, including one hosted by Andy Crouch. We're also on social media, so find us on all the good sites at The Beer Edge. I had such great plans for 2020. I turned 40 in January, and I was planning on traveling to Oktoberfest for the first time with some friends. We were, of course, going to stop in Bomberg as well. And I was going to head west to Oregon for fresh hop season. Over the last few weeks, hops have been harvested throughout the Pacific Northwest in a ritual that usually brings thousands of brewers from around the country and the world into the field, into the sampling rooms, and into meetings with growers. I was more interested in visiting the bars and breweries. For years now, my friend, the great writer Jeff Allworth, has been urging me to come to Portland, Oregon for a few days in late September. It's when many of the local breweries have put fresh hop beers on offer. These are usually draft-only and one-offs, and when they're gone, they're gone. The commercial versions that make it to the East Coast, where I am, might have some of the vibrancy and aroma and flavor that we expect, but Allworth argues, correctly, I assume, that something is still lost in the transport and the location where you're drinking it. COVID-19 messed up both Oktoberfest and Hop Harvest Travel, but we should still be thinking about it and getting ready for the better times. And so I reached out to Allworth and asked him to suggest someone for the show that had deep thoughts on fresh hops. He immediately suggested Zach Beckwith of Ben Brewing Company. In fact, Allworth told me, Zach had just penned an email that would soon become a column on the Beervana blog. That went up last week, the same day I spoke with Zach on the phone from the brewery. What's in a name? What's being done right? And what could be done better? And are any of us even thinking of these beers the right way? Zach has thoughts. Here's our conversation. What is this time of year typically like for you as a brewer?
1: Uh, It's kind of a crazy time of year um, because the brewing fresh out beers is dependent on a hop harvest. So you basically, we have to leave holes in our schedule or leave a tank empty because uh, the harvest dates for a specific variety can shift almost daily so typically uh, I'll start talking with uh, the growers that I've dealt with for last few years or um, that I'm looking for to get a specific variety Uh, I'll talk with them starting in kind of late July um, just to get a feel for it to kind of get on their radar And then about mid-August, they will have some preliminary dates, typically for me, around when they expect to start harvesting varieties. And usually that's more of like a week window. And so I can kind of plan. Week week as in
0: seven days or week as in uh, not that strong? Uh,
1: No, as in seven days. Okay. So, and, and I guess basically not that strong either because they (laughs) they they usually they usually shift anywhere from another four to five days in any direction um but so what what happens then is you kind of i start to plan out my schedule and i've usually with my brew schedule i'm about six weeks out anyways um so i can kind of see where i'm going to have open tanks and where i can move things around but then it gets really tricky uh our brewery we use a mobile packaging company so we do can Uh, two different versions of one of our fresh shot beers called fresh drop. And so with that, it's even more challenging because I basically have to schedule a canning run every week uh, because I don't know when I'm going to have the beer. Um, So uh, it's kind of twofold on that end. But uh, once harvest starts, which is typically around the third, third week in August um, and it's usually centennial is, typically the first variety that's coming off in the, in the Northwest here. So that's why our, by now, uh, you're starting to see some more varieties, but the first wave of fresh out beers is always centennial beers around here. Um, just because that's the first, first, uh, hop that's harvested. Um, so once harvest begins, then, uh, again, the growers are looking on their fields or they're, they're testing for oil content, moisture content. Um, some of the, uh, brand specific or uh, proprietary varieties, the uh, major brokers will give them kind of deadlines to have a certain variety picked by. So that guides some of their uh, kind of decisions as well about where they're in the field this year with the wildfires, we've had more of a challenge because um, a lot of the farms had to shut down in the middle of harvest because of smoke and because they lost power or they had the power cut. So there wouldn't be more fires. Yeah. Um, So it's, so it's a, it's just a, a, it's a logistical nightmare for, for everyone really, because once, once high begins, they don't stop. They run 24 hours a day. Um, so sometimes that window is small enough where they're only picking a specific variety for eight hours, eight or 12 hours, and then they're onto something else or out of that field or moved on. So you kind of just really have to be ready to drop the hat at a moment's notice. where we're at. We're over in, um, central oregon so it's about a three hour drive from here to the hop fields um and so that's three hours there three hours back so when it comes to time for brew day for us um basically you time it out where um you're looking about how long our brew day is and try for us we try and time it so uh whoever's driving over to pick up the hops gets back within we usually leave about a half hour Wiggle room until we're ready to add them on the hot side. So wow. Um, so yeah, they're they're basically from field to before beer's hitting them about four hours. Uh, and so that that's another logistical problem. We what we actually started doing last year is kind of the light bulb went off. Is we used to leave at five in the morning, drive over there, so we could be back. Uh, we we'll, we do typically double batches um, at our production brewery um how so, big how big
0: a system is that
1: it's a 15 barrel okay. so we'll do a 30 30 barrel batch essentially sure. um and so typically uh what we were doing was someone was leaving at the crack of dawn to get over there to have the hops back for the first batch but then i realized the the hops for the second batch then have already kind of started to degrade because they've just been sitting in our cooler for that extra couple hours so sure. what we did last year is now and what we've done is we have We time it so the hops are there for the second batch and we throw all the fresh hops into the second batch of beer. Um, So we basically double up on the fresh hops that we've done. So with our fresh, so with our fresh drop, we just brewed the second one yesterday actually with some mosaic from Coleman Ag, and they, uh, so we had uh, over 380 pounds in the, in 15 barrels. (laughs) So it was, uh, it's quite a lot. It's, it's really cool. Cause if it, and obviously uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced a fresh out brew day, but <laughs> it's a lot of work cause it's all hands on deck. And um, but what's really cool is you start, you actually get like a lupulin sheen, like a, there's so much oils that you're extracting that it's like a, a slick on top of the wart um, from it, which is pretty, pretty interesting to see. I've even seen, you'll have like just lupulin in in some of the manometers on the brew house or whatever will be um, just like thick with like a yellow lupulin stuck in there too it's and the, and the brewery then smells amazing for you know 2 days afterwards yeah <laughs> so i i
0: it sounds like there's a lot of romance involved in this because it, it otherwise it, it it seems like it's just i don't know a lot a lot of work um and a lot of headaches and a lot of worry about things that potentially go wrong. And you know, as beers become more streamlined and processes have been dialed in, and you know, breweries take great pride in sort of having uh, an efficient process. Something like this really seems to sort of throw a monkey wrench into the into the work. So I'm I'm curious as to what what's the appeal for for you as a brewer um, to to have these couple of weeks of what what sounds like chaos
1: yeah yeah uh it, it is chaotic and uh but you if you look at it from this way too um the summer season is peak season for every brewery uh i mean in bend we're a touristy town so it's really crazy for us through the season and so you you typically kind of i mean brewers by nature are uh kind of a creative bunch and you want to that's we strive to be we love creating new beers and so when you get kind of in in this peak summer and you're slogging through brewing the same couple ipas just to keep up all the time you can kind of be lose sight of that and so for me always fresh hop season is kind of this light at the end of the tunnel somewhere where when you drive um i'll i typically will try and make at least one trip over to pick up the hops um and it's just kind of this magic when you get out of the van and you're surrounded by hot fields and the, just this over overwhelming aroma just gets in everything. Um, and you have that re- relationship with the growers and are able to kind of have that direct connection to, to what's going into your beer. It just kind of allows you to, to have this kind of aha moment. It's like, ah, yeah, that's why I do this. Like, this is why I love it. It just reaffirms, kind of that passion at least for me um and then at the end of the day the beers are just phenomenal too um if you have a and as you said you've never truly experienced a fresh out beer um yeah if, so if so you, so, yeah when, so
0: before we started recording i, I was mentioning yeah. that that jeff allworth and i have had this conversation where um you know he likes to chide me on on my uh uh, uh I guess my distance from Oregon, and that uh, I don't get to drink a lot of the uh, the truly spectacular beers that are being made because you have to drink them you know, when they're made, or uh, they're only coming from from small places. And I think there's a notion of what fresh hop beers are, and you know most beer drinkers, and even especially IPA drinkers, get excited about this time of year. But it really is a local product, right? I mean, it's some of the, the larger breweries that are packaging them and sending them across the country or, or, or whatever. It's not, it's just not the same.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's, uh, it's truly something that, um, I, I always liken it to, and I've used this analogy a lot. I mean, there's a big difference between us having that direct relationship with the grower that I talked about of having that ongoing dialogue through the harvest and then going and bringing them some beer and then, and loading up hops and and having this direct connection to a brewery in Florida that has a, you know, has a relationship with their UPS driver that Mm -hmm. rolls up, you know, it's, it's just a different level. Um, And what you get is um, yeah, as you said, it's, it's a purely local and probably the last truly local, style that can only be made at one time a year in one place which is the the northwest in my opinion because um, this is where we we have <laughs> i don't
0: know there might be places in michigan and vermont and uh, some some other states that uh, that might disagree with you
1: yeah uh it's uh, they they might but
0: uh <laughs> are they wrong
1: uh, I mean, I, I know that there's a lot of acres there. I actually grew up in Michigan, so in, in Cherry Country up north, there that I know that they they actually got a good amount of hop, hop acreage there. But I still I think that the infrastructure is still lacking there, and you, and what you don't have are uh, these growers like we have in the Willamette Valley that are fourth generation growers. I mean, growing hops is all they've ever known, um, and so that that's a little bit of the difference too. Um, and I think that you know. you're there's a lot of research being done on hop terroir and i think that that's something that is too is if you want something that's specific and uh, i mean the cascade that they're growing in northern michigan or in vermont uh is different than what you would think of as cascade that's grown in you know the willamette valley or Mm -hmm. in yakima so i i wouldn't say that they're um they're wrong and and you can do do that but the difference is there may be one brewery and it's more of a novelty I think there than it is here it's a it's a pure cultural phenomenon um if you're in the northwest in mid-september to mid-october it is fresh hop season that's what it is Uh, everyone that's what you drink yeah and that's what you drink if you go to a bar and you know we were at uh, another brewery um on monday I mean the rest of our brewers and, uh, you know, they had a fresh hop beer on. So that's all, what we had. And then typically, well, you know, I, I won't drink the same beer twice. I'll try something else. But I had another fresh hop because that's just what you do, because the beers are here and then they're gone. Um, and, and and, you know, Jeff, Jeff focuses a lot on uh, the kind of evanescence of this fresh hop character. And that's what kind of him and I have been debating a little bit is I I look at it more as just this saturation you get from from a fresh hot beer is what i'm looking for that really you can only find um at at this time of year uh, you're not getting this uh and it's not that they don't last very long or that flavor disappears it just changes different it changes differently if that makes any sense is you, you kind of have this evolution of flavor that isn't what you get from a typical beer um that is it kind of goes up and down and so on a daily basis it can change but it's always unique and then you kind of get lock in this uh everlasting just saturation of of hop character um
0: so let's sort of unpack this a little bit because this is where i think my uh uh, distance from the Pacific Northwest starts to, to come into play because my idea of a fresh hop beer is, yeah, it, it, it has a vibrancy to it. It has a little bit of a pungency to it. Um, you're getting a hop kick. Um, but aside from that, I don't necessarily quite know how to to describe it. And when we think about you know, West Coast IPA, or we think about the New England style or, you know, black IPA, Cascadian dark, whatever we're, we're calling that. Um, there, there's different hallmarks to the different styles of beers. And we expect, you know, something to at least taste in the wheelhouse of what we know, know these definitions to be. What should a fresh hop beer have hallmarks should, should there be, I don't know, so, like defining qualities to it? And, and, and if so, like what, what are they?
1: Uh, I, I think that that's a, a really tough question because it, <laughs> it here. comes down to, it comes down to that idea of, um, I, I, I think that everyone struggles to lock down what these hallmarks flavors are, um, of fresh hot beers. It's, um it's, uh, it's something where I I think that you have to, and maybe, um, to, to what Jeff's point was about you not having experienced it is that it may not be something you can recognize in isolation that you need to try five or six different fresh hot beers at a time to kind of pinpoint this flavor, um, or this kind of, I don't even know if you can call it a, a flavor. It's more of just a sensation. Um, that uh and it, i i think that everyone struggles to define what that is i don't know you know typically the terminology people will use will be like green or chlorophyll like but sure. it, it can be more than that and, and um, some elements of that but um for for example just a quick anecdote was i had submitted a um fresh out beer a number of years ago to the GABF because they have the fresh, great American fresh beer fresh Festival. Yeah. yeah. And that's um, right. They
0: did that one year. I forgot about that.
1: Uh, and I think they still do, but, um, it's kind of turned into more just a, another IPA category. Okay. But I could tell when we got our judge notes back, uh, the, the, the judges had never, had, didn't know what fresh out beers were because you got all kinds of typical beer descriptive that they were searching around for a way to describe this flavor, and so some said it com- came off as vegetal, or it could come off as maybe DMS, or maybe this. There wasn't a lot of certainty to it, and it was kind of like, well, I, it, it doesn't seem like they really understand what that fresh hop character is, and and I honestly don't know if I can <laughs> describe what. Well, it that is. was I, I was going to ask
0: you. Yeah. Well, I mean, but you make these beers, so how do you? And, 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 you know, you build a season around it. So what is a winner for you in your mind for, for, for your palate? And, you know, how do you know when it's ready or actually let, Uh, let 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 me back, let me back that up because I, I, I'm getting ahead of myself there. So I'm, when you're thinking about a recipe and you're thinking about making a fresh hop beer, where do you start? What are the, what are the building blocks?
1: Well, it's, it, I mean, as with everything, is uh, we look at, at making a complete beer. And so, um, with that, obviously, with any beer, I, I start with a good malt balance. Um, and so, I'm maybe unique in that I look at kind of what malt is going into my IPAs or my hop forward beers as much as I do what the hops are, because it that's what makes it a cohesive unit. Um, so, what you um, so we would look at basically building a pale ale or an IPA recipe. Uh, we've done some fresh hop reds before that have been really nice as well. Um, and so you start there and then you look at what variety you want to use. And that's the thing with fresh hops, too, is you can't rely on the character of the fresh hop to be the same as you would with a pellet or a um, dried whole leaf of the same variety. So that, that throws into it a whole nother kind of um, X factor is that the the variety specificity just isn't, it's not exact. Um, and, it's, and you get a different character. So though you might want to look at Citra uh, and be like, oh, that would be a great fresh hop. Uh, it may not necessarily be because it's not going to come through in that classic Citra way. It's going to have... A different element to it and again i wish i could describe it better than different but it's it's really really difficult um because it it's just this it's more of a sensation as i said before than it is kind of a typical flavor component um and and so uh you know one of the best fresh shop varieties out there is crystal mm-hmm. and you no one it's maybe the least sexy hop i was, on, I was gonna Earth, say that's <laughs> that's not necessarily
0: something that brewers like to <laughs> to showcase i don't remember the last time i walked into a brewery where it's like hey check out my crystal hopped ipa yeah
1: yeah so and and with that you get such unique character and and really that element of terroir comes into play too so
0: so 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 like what kind of unique character like what do you get off of it
1: Um, it's, it's a a ripeness, um, like a ripe fruit, but not in that like juicy sense. And then you've got a a hint of like a, a, like an herbal character. Um, but just think of these flavors as, um, the subtlety is not there. It's ratcheted up. Um, and so I, I think that that's an, an important point too, is that fresh hot beers are made to be intense and that doesn't mean intense bitterness. Um, but, uh, I, typically with ours is we're tasting it in the fermenter during fermentation. Um, you'll, you've got this like spicy bitterness that is just unique. And that's how you kind of can tell it's on, it's in the right direction. It's just, it's this, um, in, it, it's a yeah i guess spicy is the best way to describe it um like not like a a black pepper spice but more of like a kind of a uh almost like a coriander kind of spice to it where it's got s- some sweet elements but also some like uh heat herbal elements as well um
0: you, you're, you've been using the term uh, fresh hop I know a lot of folks also use wet hop At this time of year Do you have a You, you clearly have a preference uh, As to <laughs> uh, the, the word that you use um,
1: Do you uh, Yeah well uh, I mean I, I've been This was my 11th harvest So I've been i brewed probably over 40 different fresh hop beers um, In Oregon we call Them all all the festivals are fresh hop festivals. Um, some of the earliest fresh hop beers brewed in the, in the region were called fresh hop beers. Um, I just think it's a, it's a better descriptor and it's the, the proper one. Um, <laughs> I think that <laughs> not to be controversial, but um, no, go for it. That's yeah, that's I, what this show's I, all I, about. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I just think wet hop is just a, It sounds kind of gross, and I don't think it really gives you um, a clue of what it is. Though, What I've seen in the last few years, and this may be um, unintentional, um, it seems like a lot of brewers in Washington state like to call their beers wet hop beers, Um, so it could be just a slight state-by-state difference, but also I think what I've seen is that brewers that are using fresh hops in a conditioning tank, as you would like uh as almost like a dry hop phase are you maybe using the term wet hop in place of dry hop i've kind of seen that seem kind of boy that's about. not at all
0: confusing yeah
1: yeah exactly uh but uh, as opposed to like when i with the fresh hop beers that we make uh it's all on the hot side okay so it's more akin to like using them in a big hop back um so let's talk about
0: yeah let's talk about process because you know, there are so many different ways that you can, you know, use these, these fresh hops, you know, once they arrive and, um, in order to, uh, you know, extract the flavors that you want and, and, and have them do what you want. Um, I know you've, you've done different things over the years. What do you find works you know, best for the beers that you want to make?
1: Um, so as I, as I was kind of just alluding sure, to, yeah. um, Sorry, so I was just trying to out, set you up a little bit better there. Yeah, that no, means to it's great, uh, is, uh, is we use all ours on, on the hot side, which means that basically we brew, a, a beer as normal. We'll run it into our whirlpool as we normally would. Um, and then, and then we'll, um, basically it during that process while we're boiling, um we'll scoop out all the grain out of our mash tun as we do normally but then scrub the screens give the mash tun a kind of a really good um hand clean and then we uh we add all all the fresh hops back into that typically we use 100 percent pellets in all our beers so we're not set up to use whole whole leaf hops at all some breweries um that use whole leaf will have a hop back and they can utilize that yeah. We don't have that option, so we have to basically repurpose our mash tun into a giant hop back. And so that's then cool. we'll we'll hook up a, a separate hose and run all the beer. On. So what we'll do is we'll take out the spray ball in our mash tun, and so we'll just pump uh, the wort from the, from the whirlpool over through where the spray ball would be typically, but just straight down into the hops. And then at the same time, we have someone up there that's basically essentially mashing in with hops so you've got your mash paddle and you're you're stirring all the hops trying to get as much contact on them as you can Uh, and then we'll take our uh, grain out rake that we you know cleaned and do some punch downs almost like you would in a winery with them but just kind of get every bit we can squeezed out of it yeah Um, when i first uh, this is kind of a funny story is when i First started making fresh hop beers. I worked at a little brewery that's now gone called New Old Lompoc in Northwest Portland, and we had this old dairy uh, rectangular mash tun that had one giant screen that you took out. So when we brew fresh hop beers there, I'd take out the big screen, fill the mash tun with fresh hops, and then put the screen back in and almost like a French press, um, press it down to just. And uh, we called it the. I called it jokingly the patented lompoc hop press because <laughs> we would essentially uh um you know just squeeze as much out a, as we could of it uh, and i think that and then uh from there once you've kind of run all the wort onto the hops then we start knocking out back through the heat exchanger into our fermenter pretty quickly after that so you know they're getting hit we tried this year for the first time there's been a lot of breweries um, they're experimenting with cooling their wart um, on the way to the whirlpool before they add their whirlpool hopstead um, then the theory is that you're getting more juicy character out of some of those new new school varieties sure. so we tried that with one of our fresh out beers today or this year and uh, i don't think we really saw much of a difference from cooling it down to 180 is when it's running in there at 200 it was kind of a little more work and for (laughs) a little payoff but uh that's the thing with fresh out beers too is as i'm describing this process to you it's pretty fresh because we just brewed one yesterday um but it's something because you only brew these beers a couple times a year Uh, At the same time that it's a whole year, you kind of got to relearn it every, every year. Uh, I always think that we should take pictures. And then when you get (laughs) in the chaos, you kind of forget and that it's like, oh, yeah, we did that last year. Uh, This worked better. So, you know, some of it's like, well, instead of adding all the hops in you know, we will add half of them. And then as we're running the wart over, add the rest. So that way we're getting better coverage and making sure everything gets saturated. Um, so it's, it's little small tweaks like that, that it's really hard to, to gauge what difference they're making, because again, you only make them once a year and then it's a whole year before. So you can't really judge against, uh, what you've done, the previous year, in some in some respects, so that I think that and the changing nature of um, the fresh hops from year to year, kind of leads into that what we were struggling to describe about this kind of fleeting flavor, indescribable sensation you get from fresh hop beers is that um, it's something that where you see people that uh especially you know beer drinkers they're comparing year to year being like oh this one was great last year but it's you know not that great this year or you know the, there's a, kind of that same excitement that you we used to have before there's the seasonal beers basically became uh don't exist when they got taken over by one-off beers um now kind of if you remember back in the day everyone used to be like oh well you know the shoots jubilee was really good last year but not as good this year you know that's always the the argument it was always better last year yeah no matter what (laughs) and that that's kind of with with brush shops too is you know it may have been better last year or not or who who knows it could have been exactly the same but
0: but 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 that's where it goes i sort of beyond the glass of it's situational as well. And, and because, you know, it, it is such a fleeting lifespan. Um, it, it, there's probably a little bit more excitement on, on behalf of the drinker, right. Of, you know, knowing that this is probably the only moment of time that you'll be able to enjoy this sort of moment in time beer.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, it's kind of like the, almost the, the same idea is that, fear of missing out as you get with uh you know people standing in line for the the latest hazy ipa release Um, yeah it's that kind of that same thing of like well i gotta i gotta get as many drink as many fresh hot beers as i can in this season or you know it'll be a whole year before i get get to try them again yeah Um, it's not like pumpkin beers which
0: you can drink year-round now yeah
1: yeah yeah and then it's it it leads back into that kind of whole idea um, we were talking about, it, about it being just a, a cultural thing and, you know, going back to the farmers in Michigan and, uh, and Vermont that are making fresh up beers. I think that's great. But what you don't get is not every brewery is, is making fresh up beers or multiples of them. And so you don't have this kind of cultural moment or cultural holiday uh, around these beers that you get in the Northwest, and that's sort of something like if, if you're a beer lover, um, doesn't matter where you are in the world, you really owe it to yourself to to come to Oregon or come to Washington in mid September, early October, and just experience it for yourself because it's it's truly unlike anything you f- you find anywhere else. So, uh,
0: so so the timing I think is important because that's when you know the beers start to hit uh you know the the draft lines and 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 obviously some packaging as well but in the same way that you know the hops start to degrade after they've been picked so you want to get them into uh the brew house as quickly as possible do these beers the ones that you're describing do they change the longer they sit in a keg uh the longer they've been in a can um you know from when you deem they're ready to release? Like we obviously see degradation of, you know, I like normal IPAs. Um, is it more pronounced with, with fresh hop beers?
1: You know, um, this is where I probably differ from a lot, a lot of people, um, is that I, I feel that if, if you look at it and, you know, hops traditionally until the last 20 years or so were pretty much used as a, um, to balance the sweetness of them all, and for preservative uh, qualities. And so historically, and so when those those preservative qualities still exist in hops. And so when you're using these massive amounts, I mean, we're using 10 to 12 pounds per barrel of fresh hops. Um, you may, I, I like to say it is that uh, you, you kind of have ups and downs during the, when they're real fresh um but then you kind of hit a plateau it doesn't just peak and then fall off quickly in my opinion i feel that like because you're you have so much of hop character in there that it does tend to hang on for for longer um it and it depends on on the method and that's just based on the, the hot side fresh hop additions that like we're doing. Um, as we were talking about the, some breweries that are putting finished beer in a bright tank with on some fresh hops, those beers, um, tend to have a more fleeting aroma, just the same way that, uh, the aromatics and a dry hop beer, dry hopped IPA, you know, that those kind of tend to fall off, um, uh, but I, and I think that that's also kind of a, a misnomer in some ways because I don't think it necessarily falls off. I think that it um, it changes and that you should be open to um, something that, that's that volatile um, is, I don't know, it, you want some stability because you want, even though these beers are changing like crazy, the fresh out beers, um, and up and down, that – eventually you want it to settle into a some sort of cons- consistent character um just as you would with any beer um that's why as i said in the beginning like we're paying as, as much attention to the malt bill we're using um you know we use a small amount of pellet hops typically in our fresh out beers too because we want it to be a complete beer we don't want it just to be where it's only good for a day and a half and then yeah it's you know not not a great beer anymore uh and so what we found. Uh, was that with some of our packaged fresh hot beers, that they actually hold that once they kind of go through that initial up and down volatile phase, that once they settle into um, a groove, they, they hold up remarkably well. Um, Like, you know, the oxidation seems to be lower and uh, just, I, I, Think and I, the only thing that I can attribute that to is just that you're using such a mass amount of, of hot material that you're getting that, that preservative quality just kind of helps, helps it hang on yeah. longer. But that's again my theory, and I think that a lot of people would disagree with me that they need to be drank as quickly as possible. But, <laughs> um, I, I think that realistically, uh, for a brewer, um, thinking that. Beer you put out is going to be drank within two days of packaging is just not a realistic <laughs> scenario. So you want to ensure that that beer is gonna is gonna taste great down the line, especially if you're putting these into uh, uh, packages, you know. And this year, more than ever, we're seeing more and more um, packaged fresh shot beers. It, it's the trend's been going up the last few years, right? But COVID um,
0: probably kick-started that, or yeah, yeah exactly. yeah,
1: exactly. Just because draft beer has been much more of a struggle. Uh, all breweries are moving more towards packaged beer at this moment. So You you
0: um, mentioned something earlier that I wanted to, to to sort of just come back to of that. If, if you're living in that part of the, the country, um, the fresh hop is pretty much all you're drinking. D- do you see sales decline on your other beers during this time of year? Like, is the, oh, are, are the scales, like, totally question. tipped? Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I don't I don't know if that's – I don't think we make enough volume of fresh hot beers to see that. I think that what you'll see typically with our fresh hot beers and with most breweries, they're making a big deal that you're tapping a fresh hot beer. So there's a bit of buzz that goes with that naturally but then you um i i think that we we have we usually don't have a ton uh especially since we've been packaging um our fresh chop the last two years we only have a dozen so kegs for for ourselves afterwards so um it goes Goes on tap and goes away pretty quick, so I don't think that you see much of a dent that way. Just because you you may see a spike and you just sell all the fresh out beer really really quickly, but I don't think it really affects the other sales. Okay. Um, gen- generally. Okay. Um, if if anything, we can we can rely on especially with distribution or whatever. Or n- no matter if they can't sell. Uh, you know, a brown ale any time of the year, but you know that, about, uh, that no matter what fresh hop beer, as soon as those magic words "fresh hop" go out, that every beer bar is going to want it, every store is going to want the can. So it, um, it's kind of like a, for from the brewery side, you know it's an it's an easy sell, and that uh, that the beer is going to be here and gone. Um, so I think from that perspective, it doesn't it doesn't make a, a big dent on like affecting our other sales, if anything, it's just an added bonus.
0: That makes sense. Um, And then you also mentioned, um, you know, the volume that you need as well. And obviously, you know, because of, of, you know, the, the, the weight of it as well, of, of, of these whole, uh, whole cone and the, um, uh, the fresh hop, you know, you you are buying more. Um, What, what do you do if there's leftovers? Or do, do you do everything you can to just ensure that every last cone goes in?
1: Oh, you just, you just, well, we, so when we're talking to our growers, we'll tell them the amount that we, that we want. And so they'll typically, so we'll weigh out exactly what we're planning to use. If there's extra, then they just go in. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, it's, uh, it's one of the few times where, you uh, where you could say that actually more is is better um less if you're not using enough uh fresh hops then you're not gonna get that saturated character that i've struggled so mightily to describe um <laughs> but uh you know if you're using a little bit more than than you expected to you're you're not going to really have an effect there, and part of the reason you're using so much more is, you know, hops. Typically, when you're using them, they've been kilned, so all the moisture's taken out of them. So a lot of that weight and the in the fresh hops is water weight. Right. Um, so it's not, um, you know, a pound of fresh hops I, I, is not equal to a pound of pellet hops. Like right. It's you know so that's the, the factor as well. And, uh, you know, for us, uh, typically I'll, uh, I'll always list for our fresh hot beers when I'm writing out our beer menus that, uh, for IBUs, uh, I just put a question mark because the hops haven't been tested <laughs> and there's no way to really calculate or quantify outside of a lab and we're a small brewery that doesn't have those capabilities. So it's like, I, uh, that that kind of misses the point, too. Like, it's not you know, 2005 and everyone's looking for 200 IBU beers anymore anyway. So it's, <laughs> it's something where the, you really have no ability to, at least on our scale, to measure um, what the IBU contribution of 380 pounds of fresh mosaic is. Are, are people, do
0: people still ask about that, though? I feel like nobody ever won the IBU wars. They just kind of everybody lost.
1: Um, you know, I, we, we see more people that are asking for low IBU beers, which is, which is great. Sure. Um, I, th- I think that, uh, it, it's a, it's a statistic that I think most brewers and most beer people have kind of moved on from, it's just not that useful when it, it's one part of the equation that you, if you're looking at it in a vacuum, it doesn't really tell you much. So if you're just looking at IBUs, you know, you the classic example with an Imperial stout that's, you know, 80 IBUs, but no one describes that as tasting hoppy, like a 80 IBU IPA, you know? And so it it's not a very useful stat, but we still include it on our, uh, on our beer menus just because I think tradition of people used to looking at that. And I guess there are people out there that are, are still looking, looking for IBU numbers, but um, I think, the trend overall with brewers and with IPAs and that, you know, obviously uh, that's seen more in hazies and the, you know, zero IBU IPAs or whatever that some, some people are making is that people want less. Like they, they almost look at IBU as a high IBU as a negative now when it used to be a positive. Um, so we've come full circle in that, in that respect. I, I, I typically uh, like to include it just so people can kind of judge for themselves.
0: Okay. So I know you're not taking the, the photographic evidence every year to remind yourself uh, as you, as you head into a new year of, of, of what you did previously, but are there, are there creative pursuits that you haven't followed through yet that you'd like to one day when it comes to fresh hops?
1: Um, I, I think it's, uh, uh honestly i'm i'm a bit of a uh of a dinosaur in some ways is <laughs> that i i as, with fresh out beers it's kind of uh, my approach is more if it if it's not if it's not broke then don't fix it uh as as far as uh, what we're looking more is uh, maybe different styles um incorporating some fresh hops we wanted to this year kind of COVID threw everything into a mix but uh we're looking at doing uh fresh hop esb with some uh willamette or mount hood you know moving away from just the ipas and pale ales which are you know admittedly great great showcases for fresh hop beers um but I I think that from that perspective, not necessarily a, uh, like a technique driven way in utilizing the fresh hops, but more in a style driven um, way and using different varieties and in different ways. Um, we'd probably like to go back to do a a fresh hop red again here, maybe next year as well. That that's always had really great results. Um, some people think that, uh, Again, that fresh hop, multi-year fresh hop beers don't work. Um, though in Oregon, the last few years there's been a number of uh, really good fresh hop Oktoberfests fests um, that people are making, uh, which is kind of kind of combines the both season, both beer seasons into one. Yeah, um,
0: I'm kind of yeah. Is there a pumpkin spice rim around there just for the trifecta for the hat trick?
1: Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> not that I've seen. Uh, you well, can have
0: that idea can... if you want. You can patent that and uh, and put it on uh, put it on in the tap room. Uh, I'll just give that one to you free of charge. <laughs>
1: uh, so I, I think <laughs> that uh, with those kind of malty or fresh out beers or anything, you can. Um, there's there's lots of room to ex- experiment um, as far as like different styles and different hops. Um, we're seeing more of those. I think I've seen um, you know sour fresh hop beers and seeing more fresh hop lagers. And, um, and so, uh, you know, as there's just a, a greater am- amount of, uh, variety out there, um, style wise, which I think is great. Cause I think that overall, um, the beer world could use a little more style diversity, um, than what we've seen in kind of the last few years. So if that can kind of start with fresh hop beers and then move to the rest of the year too. I think that that would be great because, you know, that may be a way to, to get, get to sell that ESB year round is would be, <laughs> if, you know, people get reintroduced to it by having a fresh hop version. Um, so.
0: Cool. Well, a lot to think about here. And I think that's a, a, a good place to, to leave it for now, but I hope, uh, we can continue this conversation over, uh, fresh hop pints next year when i'm when i make it out there but um
1: you're so so you've already planned your trip then.
0: uh yeah uh pandemic willing uh, i will uh uh i'll i'll, I'll be there so when, well then
1: well then maybe you will finally uh be able to uh, understand kind of this this un unexplainable um flavor component and just uh have a sense of of what it really means because i i, I I don't know how to to stress that enough that it's just something that has to be experienced to really be understood. Um,
0: Well, uh, hopefully you'll do a a tasting with me and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk through it, but uh,
1: absolutely. You're welcome. Anytime.
0: Yeah. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you. That's Zach Beckwith
0: of Ben Brewing Company in Oregon. If you're near his brewery, you've likely already been by for pints and are planning on more. And if not, you're like me and planning a visit for next year. Either way, it's nice to know there's something to look forward to. And make sure you check out his column on Jeff Allworth's Beervana blog. So who should be on the show? What are you missing in your beer life these days? And what thought is keeping you going? Send me a note at John Hall. that's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L, at BeerEdge.com, or reach out on Twitter at John underscore Hall. And don't forget to check out the This Week in Rauch Beer Facebook group, and don't forget to leave a review of this show wherever you download your podcast. Also, check out BeerEdge.com for more content, to sign up for the newsletter, and to listen to Andy Crouch's podcast. And follow us on social media, at The Beer Edge. Nate Schweber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed the logo, and I'm John Hall, now in search... For a fresh hop beer, new episodes of this show release every Wednesday, and that's when I'll be back again to drink beer and to think beer.